Welcome to So You Want to Be a Copywriter, brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses. Your host is Bernadette Schwert, who you'll find at copyschool.com, and you can find out more about all our copywriting courses at copywritingcourses.com.au. Now, over to Bernadette. Christian Simovich is a man on a mission. At just 22 years old, and with only 10 months under his belt as a copywriter, he's already earning $15,000 to $20,000 per email sequence and gaining an enviable client list along the way. He's one of the few copywriters who offer a no-results, no-pay model. Risky? Yeah, but it works. And in this session, he shows us exactly how he created this business model, why his clients love it, the pitfalls attached to it, and how he came to be so confident at such a young age. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. Now, not everyone can be as confident as Christian, but getting some training under your belt on how to write copy can help you build that all-important confidence. And that's why people love our courses. If you'd like to get the skills you need, to present yourself as a trained professional copywriter, check out our tutor-led courses at writercenter.com.au forward slash essentials or our online on-demand courses at copyschool.com. That's how people like Aaron got their start. Here's what he told us recently. I'm a truck driver and listen to your course as I drive across the Nullarbor. I didn't think I could write. But when I realised that you didn't need perfect grammar to write copy and that I should write as I speak, things really changed. I now write all the copy for the trucking company I worked for and get paid more to write than I do to drive. I now have my new career sorted and can get paid without leaving home. Thank you, Bernadette. Well, thank you, Aaron, for sharing your story with us. And if you like our podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. Christian Simovich, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bernadette. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Now, Christian, we were just talking offline a second ago about how you actually got into the copywriting industry, and I'd love to hear more. Tell us all how you got into copywriting. Yeah, absolutely. So the short end of it was I was in property for the past, I think, three years or so, four years. Um, and I've been doing it for a while, but I, I find I was just lacking. And I think I stumbled on a YouTube video once and it said something like dropshipping 101. And I was kind of one of those young kids who thought, oh, wow, you can make six figures in two months, you know, very easy. And I tried it. <laughs> Didn't work out as well as I thought, as, as anyone would think. But along my journey, I found, I think the Gary Halbert newsletter, maybe I was reading it at like two in the morning. I, I was obsessed with Gary, honestly, <laughs> like his stuff was just amazing. And Ever since then, I've just fallen in love with the world of copywriting and direct response. And what enabled you to find your first client? Um, so that's actually interesting. And that's kind of, so initially I was doing cold email. Um, and this is kind of like where my guarantee and my offer kind of stands out, makes me a little different from most copywriters. But um, I was doing cold email for a while. And the problem with cold email was that I was emailing a lot of people, just wasn't getting a response back very, very few like positive responses. And I actually tried LinkedIn, uh, funnily enough. And I think I paid, it was like a hundred bucks for a LinkedIn sales navigator. Like they have a, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Like some kind of subscription. And from there, I, I just target about 20 people per month. Um, I normally say, hey, I post content that helps 
alternative health brands because that's who I work for with supplements. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll do 20 of them. And I've been doing it for the what, past 90 days or so, 120 days, and it's worked a lot better than, um, than cold email. And recently, actually, I've, um, I've just outsourced my, my uh, lead generation efforts to an outsource, uh, to a, what's it called? A lead generation client, uh, KnowledgeX, which I'm happy to, to plug. They're, they're very good. How does that work? Yeah, so they actually do cold. So, okay, I'll, I'll take one step back. The reason why cold email was hard for me, and I think most of your listeners would be the deliverability side of things. Like, I'm not very technical. And, you know, I think I use Mailshake or one of these apps, and I noticed my open rates were like 15, 10, 20%. And it wasn't so much the subject line, which, if anyone needs a good subject line, if in doubt, always do quick question. For some reason, that works. Um, but, you know, in, in the deliverability, like it was always just going to spam or is always going to the promotions tab. Whereas these guys, they set up five accounts and they have like, so they got five accounts. So they're only sending, you know, 40 emails per day from an account. Plus they have a really intense, rigorous um, warm up process. Like the amount of kind of ridiculous inbox kind of emails I get is insane. Like, so they just make sure that you're not seen as a spammer. Whereas if you start a new domain, you know, it, it just goes to spam. So that, that's my issue with cold email. So just on that, Christian, the the company, they set up their own email? Mm. Is that what you mean? Their own? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, work? Yeah. So uh, my um, my domain name is honey-badgermarketing.com. Um, and they they didn't really ask me about anything. They kind of just said, like, we'll do it for you. And then all of a sudden, I had five different email accounts. One's called Go Honey Badger. One's Ask Honey. So, yeah, they just kind of make new ones for you. And it's they, they have, like, some process and they do it. And they do it all for me, which is Awesome. I don't want to do that stuff. <laughs> so talk me through it because I think this is quite interesting. We haven't even got yeah. into, you know, your stuff yet in terms mm. of how you do it, but how do they do it? So tell me tell me more. Yeah, yeah, So they use a process of like uh, you, you can do this yourself if you want. You can use it's called like I, I used to use Zoom Info, which was like a, a data scraping tool. Very expensive, 200 bucks a month. Like I only had it because I had access to my previous work. Apologies. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, the, these, this company, they have their own uh, data scraping software. I'm not really sure what it's called. Um, they asked me for about, I think they were saying like, what's your ideal client? Like, who do you want to work with? What's their uh, salary? Like, not salary. What's their, um, you know, price? What, what's their revenue per year? Revenue per year. There you go revenue per year, how many employees they have, just a, a strict criteria, and then they'll spit out maybe 500 or 1,000 uh, prospects, and then they'll email those people from there. Got it. And what is the offer that they used? The offer on me or just the offer in general? The offer that you put into those emails. What were you? What was the, the gist of those emails? Yeah, yeah. So this is my offer is a little different for most people, and, and it, I'll, I'll get into that later. But so my offer is I generally offer to make a, 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 an e-commerce brand about twenty to $30,000 within 60 days. Or because that's not always realistic. Uh, at the very least, I normally offer to generate to double their monthly email revenue uh, within sixty days. Awesome. Uh, which, where did you come up with that offer? Yeah, so um, it came out from my own dis- uh, my own frustrations when I was when I was like kind of offering my um, copywriting services. I was always saying, "Hey, I'm an email copywriter. Can I write your emails?" And I always got told no all the time. And you know, I, I, I was looking up online about offers and how to you know. It's kind of sort of like features versus benefits, or skills versus benefits, or skills versus outcomes. Even you know, I'm offering my email copywriting skills, which, to be honest, most businesses don't really care about. They care about what can I bring for them, and you know, they they speak in money. And I'm not I'm not saying business owners are like aren't literate or anything, but like they don't understand what is an email copywriter or what does you know, like oh, I'll redo your website. Like, well, what's what's in it for me? 
Whereas if you tell them like, you know, I'll do your Facebook ads and, you know, I'll generate a 3x ROAS, then that's something that they want to talk to you about. And that's de- that's definitely been the approach with me. So that's why I came up with that offer. And um, there's another element to it as well that I actually offered to, if I fail to make that offer, um, they don't pay me a cent. I- I'm no upfront payment. I'm completely risk-free for them. And I know the objection people already go like, oh, well, what if they don't pay me? And that's true. I'm not going to deny. Like there's always an element of risk. But the reason why I do this is because, you know, if you speak to business owners, the biggest hesitation they have is, you know, they they maybe they've hired someone to to do their SEO and they spent 10 grand and they had nothing to show for it. You know, the amount of clients that I've that have actually like what's the word, gotten, the clients I've signed, um, they were very they if they if I didn't have that risk reversal offer, they wouldn't have even signed up in the first place. So you might have one potential person who might scam you potentially, but there's always a way to check out the red flags as well in your sales calls as well. Um, but they're the one potential person who might scare me. I'll have 10 or five other clients who, would have, who wouldn't have joined if I didn't give that offer. Um, and, I, and I'll give one more point, uh, especially for newer writers. Um, you kind of have to, not you don't have to, but I find it's a lot easier to do it like on spec, like to, to, to offer uh, something without risk. Because to be honest, at the start, you are a bit of a risk. You know, if you don't have any experience, you know, you don't have any leverage. You don't have anything that like, you don't have a really good case study or testimonial. You're just saying, hey, try me out. Like, would you get a tattoo from someone who's never done a tattoo before? It's like, no, obviously not. So, or maybe there are some weirdos that would, but whatever. So that's my take on that. That's awesome. And I should also mention, let's talk about how old you are here, Christian. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I am 22 years of age. So and born how in 2000, you- weird. Y2K. And yeah. how long have you been doing copywriting? Uh, since December, 2021. So what's that? What at the time of recording 10 months or so? Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So you've had exponential success. It's fair to say, and you've really stepped up to the plate and you've taken on some pretty, um, confident kind of offers. Just out of interest, what made you come up with the 20, 30,000 as a number? Um, the honestly, so there wasn't actually any really bearing behind it. I, I kind of just I know I saw as a I saw one of my mentors was offering he was offering fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, but this was for like seven figure info like infomercial what are they called info product uh, publishers. I'm not going after those kinds of people, um, and it's just more of an attractive way because like generally speaking, when I get in the call, I'll, I'll always qualify them going, okay, look, look, I'm not going to offer them offer that to someone who's making three grand a month. Like they have generally speaking. I'll always try and like aim for a double, double your monthly revenue. So if someone says, you know, I'm making 3000, but I'd like to make six, you go, look, I'm not going to offer that 20. I can't, but I am willing to offer you to double your email monthly revenue. How does that sound? And they'll always say yes. I mean, on a performance basis, I've never had a client who go, no, I'm, that's too expensive because it doesn't, I mean, I'm not charging anything from them until they make money. So. And what is your ideal client? Yeah. So I've been the past. My, all my like clients now are in the supplement or like alternative health space. Um, generally speaking, they're, they've been in business for at least two or three years. That's a really, that's a game changer because I don't want a needy client. Um, you know, if, if they're relying, if they think I'm like, you know, the magician, because copywriting, it, it isn't magic. You know, you, you've got to have a good offer. You've got to have an established list, or at least you've got to know who you're talking to. And more importantly, you've just got to have a good offer. You know, if someone, if someone's selling dog poo, it doesn't really matter if, you know, if David Ogilvy's writing for it, it's not going to sell. Um, uh, what else is the qualifications? I guess that's probably the main ones. Um, email list size as well. Generally speaking, I'll try and target someone with a 5,000 person list. 
that's obviously that's that's ideals. I'll, I'll always accommodate. But if it's someone with you know, 100 or 50, that, that's just not doable for me. And I'll say no. What questions do you ask a person to qualify them? I mean, you've touched on that just a moment ago, but I'm just interested. Mm. What, what does that conversation look like? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think we, we kind of alluded to this earlier, Bernadette, but I, I don't take the typical high-pitched salesman kind of role. And I know a lot of your listeners out there don't like sounding like a salesman. And I don't either. I, I know when I started, I hated it. I take more of a doctor kind of role uh, and I try and diagnose. I, I treat my my prospects like patients and I'm the doctor. So instead of me selling, I diagnose them. So normally what I'd ask them is go, okay, Bernadette, you know, thanks for jumping, jumping on the call. Um, other than my offer, why did you reach out to me for a call? And then from there, they'll normally go, oh, my email open rates, you know, they're in the gutter. Um, you know, I'm not making enough sales, my emails. I'm always offering. I'm always offering an evergreen or never-ending discount, and I've, you know, I've got to always have twenty percent discounts in order to make sales. Um, I had one call with a, a prospect, and now a client actually went well boarded her the other day. Um, you know, she she makes like organic skincare by hand. She makes all that by hand, and you know, she said, "I really want to, um, I really want to have a factory and a warehouse and start delegating and, and just becoming a business, like becoming the the boss and not the doer." And I I, I write that stuff down in my um my uh my, my little script i guess word doc and then i repeat them to that so like i go okay bernadette so it sounds to me your biggest problem is x y and z is that correct of me to assume and they'll go yeah oh my god how'd you know and well they don't say that but you know like when you kind of it just shows that you're listening and that, that is what a doctor would do you know would a doctor tell you you know you, you go into the his patient you would, would you go in as a patient go to his room and go would he tell you oh you need antibiotics like no he'll ask you like what's wrong with you <laughs> no, no not what's wrong with you but you know. Yeah, they reflect back what exactly. they've just been told. Exactly. So talk us through your process because I think anyone listening is thinking, well, what's the magic that Christian's got? Is this about like the sales or the email? Yeah. Like? The emails. Like what's your process for building an email strategy and then the yeah, implementation? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a bit peculiar, I, I'll be honest. Um, I prescribe daily emails and I, I'm going to answer, I'll answer the question a bit. But so daily emails, so high volume of high intensity. Um, I never ever, I always base my emails on storytelling and that, that's the key, um, the key element. And you can write out an email 20 to 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Um, a lot of people spend eight hours, you know, making an email, which is a bit ridiculous. And I also do plain text emails, no pictures or very rarely pictures, no nice newsletters. It's actually really the ugliest thing in the world. Um, and there's a reason, but in terms of writing the emails, normally I'll always come up with a story and then I'll segue that into my product. And how that works is, I'll, I'll give you an example. So one of my clients is a meal shake replacement company. And one of the benefits of, of his product is that, you know, it's for people on the go. It's for people always on the move. They don't have a lot of time to make their own meals and they want to lose weight. So I was saying, I, I think it was like maybe, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I was reading an article, article about the Bigfoot, about Bigfoot. And um, Bigfoot had, you know, he's, he's never been found by anyone. You know, he's, he's never been captured at all by any, you know, photographer at all in the 20th century. And I was, I kind of just thought like, yeah, he's always, always running. He's always on the move and he doesn't have much time to make a good, healthy, nutritious meal. I'm sure he'd love our product. And, you know, like it's kind of a cutesy, clever way to tie it all in. And that's not the best example, but it's just, a, it's an example of what I can do. And, you know, in that, in that email, I was leveraging Bigfoot, which is, it's, it's an element of intrigue and curiosity. It's like, how the hell can you, you know, how can you put Bigfoot with the product? And then there's another example. You can use drama. Uh, and, and everyone loves drama. Like that, that's just real. That's why reality TV shows do well. Like, everyone loves drama. I, I go to Reddit, honestly, or I go to the radio station and I heard this story and it was pretty much, 
there was a story of this woman and she was saying, she literally wrote on a, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell the story. So basically there's a woman and on their street, there was a guy and he just parked his car and his boat in the, in the, on the street, tight street. You know, he's got a double car garage. He doesn't put the boat or the car in. So everyone on the street has to park their car hundreds of meters away. You know, they're, they're older people or they've got kids and they've got to walk. And so anyways, on the car, they write an A4 piece of paper and someone named, I don't know her name. I called her Margaret, but D52A, we're sick and tired of your bull crap. Uh, and she just keeps on going and hammering into the dude. And basically, my product's all about, there's one version is like, like a keto product. And I was kind of saying, it kind of reminds me of, and like, it was a really angry email. And I was saying, it was an angry note. And I was saying that um, it kind of reminds me of people on keto cravings. And this is, our product doesn't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And it's just a way to tie things in. So that's, that's kind of, just, that's why you can email every day when you're writing engaging emails that people actually want to read. Okay, so taking the Margaret story, so I just follow this through to its natural conclusion. <laughs> so what was the opening line? Literally. Um, so the subject line was D52A, comma, we're sick and tired of your bullcrap. And that, that was the subject line. And I mean, if you see that in email, you're going to open. You have to know what that is. And then the next story, I'll, I'll say the whole story. If yeah, you want me to it. say it. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, read it out. Yeah, yeah so I, I don't have it in front of me. I've just got off the top of my head. Okay, but it, was, sure. it was on a radio station. I think it was like... 106.5. So this is the email, right? This is, this the email. is an email. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it. Um, and pretty much, yeah, dear 52A, we're sick and tired of your bullcrap. Basically says, you know, you've got your car, you've got your boat, all parked on the street. We're all angry. Um, you know, we don't um, we don't have any space. We've got to walk hundreds of meters away. And then I said, like, hmm. It re- Again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly. I wrote it a few weeks ago. But I was basically saying, like, oh, I basically said, um, you know, that this woman reminds me, Margaret, she reminds me of, you know, some of our customers that go on the keto diet. Here are some of, like, here's why our product is a little different from all the other keto kind of brands. Like, this is why. I, I can't remember the benefits. I got it. it. So, the connection yeah, yeah. is that this woman was angry and mm. your keto, like keto, just for people listening, it's a keto diet. It's mm. plant-based. Is keto it's plant-based, is it? Or I think it's like high, high, high fat, low carb, I think. Whatever. Yeah, sure. yeah, it's yeah, 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 something yeah, yeah. like that, right? So, it's you've got this keto product mm. and you're saying they're angry, but people who take our keto supplements oh, don't no, get angry. No, so, right? so no, I was, I was trying to refer. So she's angry and people who are on keto, they have cravings. And when they get, when they have cravings, they're really angry and irritable um, and, and moody. And this is kind of what reminds me of that diet and what happens to people. And you don't get those kind of cravings with our product because of X, Y, and Z. Beautiful. We Beautiful. got there in the end. We got, got it. There. Got it. How many words <laughs> do you reckon it was? Yeah, so I normally strive for 500 words, um, sometimes 200. This is a really cool, um, This I sometimes I do 1,000-word emails, and this is kind of a bit of a shock to people, but there's a really cool, and I got this from a book. It's called it's called um, Saying No by Jim Camp, and for anyone who listens to Ben Settle, um, they all know about this, but you, know, it, you use customers' pains, all their hopes and dreams, and you just paint a really vivid image of what their life will look like after after the after uh, a story has been told. So, for example, you know, supplement company. Uh, we're an Australian supplement company, and our market is the UK. Now, the UK has fairly lax supplement laws. You know, you don't really need to have. It's not that rigorous in terms of to to, to make manufacture supplements. And Australia is very rigorous. I think it's probably the most tightest in the world. So, basically, we had a story showing that I, I don't remember. The, I think the catalyst was it for back in like two thousand three. There was. Uh, some county did some dodgy things and, and that's why we have tight laws. But I was basically saying that, you know, in America and the UK, um, there, I followed a case for guys named Dr. Larry Lagun, Larry Lagun, and he was making some, it's called Dr. Larry's Tranquility Pills. And it was like a sleeping pill. 
And basically, you know, I was saying like, you know, you're buying from the people were buying from this guy, but they had no idea that first he was a convicted criminal. So there was no laws against him making stuff. Where in Australia, there is a law. You can't be a criminal uh, to make manufacture supplements. Secondly, he was found, it was found in his supplements that he was putting really high doses of uh, Thorazine and Doxapine, which are both, uh, I don't remember what they are, but I know the side effects, if you take too much of it, if they're laced too high, it is death uh, that as the worst consequence. But a lot of them were really bad side effects. Can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but it was just just showing a very vivid story about what happens, you know, Yes, our price may be expensive, but it's it's a lot. It's it's expensive for a reason because we have strict protocols in place. And you know, if you buy your supplements from the US or the UK where they don't have these strict, uh, rigorous procedures, you know, you could potentially face these not consequences, but you could potentially be taking supplements that are spiked or laced. You just don't know. Um, I know some people don't like writing the painful stuff. So there's also you can also make vivid stories out of hopes and dreams as well. Am uh, I painting a, a strong picture? Do you use like the problem agitation solution structure? What, what's yeah. yours? I just use PAS, problem agitation solution. I, I think all of the other, I've seen on some, I think it was a copy blogger, one of those websites, and it had like an 18 part procedure on how to write copy. And I was like, ah, it just, PAS just works. It works every time. I, I don't see the point. That, that That's my opinion. So I'll, just I'll, talk I'll, us through your version of, of the PAS solution. Yeah. Pro, I mean, it's literally just problem agitate solution. Like I, I'll just normally, I'll do another one. This was for a landing page actually for a dentist. Um, and this dentist basically, so the big problem with dentists they had was that they weren't converting a lot of their patients into, uh, no, converting a lot of prospects into patients. So people would come up, but the doctor couldn't close them on a deal. Um, and so it's like, like the pain point was like most dentists watch doc, most dentists watch revenue walk out the door or something like the biggest challenge dentists face uh, is the ability to close. And then I'll agitate the problem. Then I go, you know, 69, I don't know the statistic, but it was something like 69% of doctors, 69% of dentists' um, appointments go un, unpaid. You know, they literally watch revenue walk out the door and you just kind of agitate, like don't rub salt in the wound, but I guess you could call it that. Um, and then the solution is my, at the time my client was a, she was a dental coach and the, the solution was my system. Um, so that's my version of PAS. Got it. And what about the PS, the postscript? What's your position on that? Do you always have a PS? Um. See, I, I, I don't know. That's kind of an interesting point. Like I've, I've seen the pros and cons for both sides. The PS, the PS, if you want to like kind of, if you say your main, you know, your main email and then in the PS, you kind of do a, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't really answer that. I, I don't really use PSs at all. I understand the benefits and, and the pros and cons, but I personally just don't use PSs. Okay, cool. What about the subject line? Because I know mm. that's a risk, right? You take that number 52A person. Mm. What are some of your policies or procedures on creating a good headline that gets results? Mm. Yeah. So, okay. So this was a, so I'll have to give a shout out to um, one of my mentors. He really showed me a really good formula. And I, for anyone who doesn't know, I, I work also like on a part-time freelance contract basis, whatever you want to call it at the podcast factory. Uh, and we just, just write bullets, which are essentially just headlines. And um, normally what I always do is just try and do benefit plus a curiosity. Now that's not, you don't always have to follow that strict guideline you know you, you, there's also the four use which anyone doesn't know is ultra specific unique useful and urgent um but I, I personally just don't like doing a benefit plus a curiosity so i'll give you a few examples of stuff that i've written in the past um oh don't have them on me but i'm, I'm really unprepared i'm very sorry about this bernadette uh, oh actually no here we go here we go um okay so for example so how to boost your email open rates by 190.81 percent by misspelling words on purpose 
So the benefit here is, you know, boost your email open rates. And the curiosity element is firstly 190.81%. Like that's oddly specific, that number. Secondly, misspelling words on purpose. Um, it goes, it, it's kind of counterintuitive. It's pretty against the grain. It's like, what? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, so that another, yeah, another way is to make engaging headlines and subject lines is, is just kind of go against the grain. I've seen, I know Ben Settle once, he did a, he, he did a headline or subject line it's called the case against testing. Cause everyone AB tests in this industry. He did one called the case against testing. Now I didn't read the email, so I'm not sure exactly what he was talking about. <laughs> it didn't work that well. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I just saw it. I was like, all right. Um, but give us a few more of your own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. So this is a good one. So, so how unsubscribers will save you tons of money and why you should celebrate if somebody does unsubscribe. So there's the, there's a bit of a benefit. So how, for, it's just, that's not, not so much. There is a bit of a benefit. Like unsubscribers will save you tons of money. There's a benefit, but the curiosity is like why you should celebrate if somebody does unsubscribe. And I'm happy to answer that question. Um, if you want. Yeah. Um, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of people, when I, a lot of clients, when I speak to them and prospects, you know, they have maybe, a 5,000, 10,000 person list, but it's a very inactive list. And, you know, they'll send a few emails, 20% open rate, not bad, but no one really, no one, no one engaged, no one's responding. Um, it's a very, like a lukewarm list. And the problem with this is that the, the bigger the list, um, the more you've got to pay on Clavio and, and you know, active campaign and all the, the softwares, they'll, they'll charge you money for having a big list. And if this big list isn't, if they're not purchasing, you're kind of just spending money for them. You're just, you're, you're paying for them to be there but they're not actually making any, making you any money. Um, whereas if you are a little bit more controversial or you just email every day and they unsubscribe, well, there's no clear indication they're never going to buy anyways. I know I've had a few clients kind of go, well, they're unsubscribing. Not not crazy amounts, but some are. And it's like, yeah, but they were never going to buy at all. Like, And, and in my experience, um, you know, the engaged customers, the engaged people on the list, they never do unsubscribe. It's only the people who, who really weren't going to buy anyways. And so... With your um, offer of charge mm. of giving, you know the um, the money back guarantee. Mm. What do you charge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, th so this is one of the perks about this performance basis is that, firstly, it's easy to get people in a call. Uh, it's, it's easy to get people in a call and to close them. I don't really have to do any <laughs> like uh, like price objections. I don't really do that because there really is no objection. I normally charge 25% of the direct revenue I make them. So that's a, that's a, what's the word? It's a, it's a double-edged sword. You know, if you work with a smaller client, they only make a thousand dollars a month. You know, if I, if I double their revenue to 2000, that's only 25%, which is $500. But on the other end, if you work with somebody who's making $50,000 a month or a hundred thousand, you know, that's not unrealistic for some clients. You're charging 25%, which that's obviously quite, I mean, I, I've never heard of a, of a, Maybe there are some copywriters out there who do charge like a $20,000, $30,000 a month retainer. I'm, I know I'm nowhere near that level. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the commission basis works pretty well. How do you track it back? Because what happens if, you know, the email goes out and they don't buy it for six months or they buy it in another way? How do you yeah. track that? Yeah, so normally I'd use an affiliate link um, and plus the, and, and Clavio as well. I normally just use Clavio as well. Um, yeah, to answer your point about the six months or 12 months, there's, there really is no way to track that. So that's just kind of tough luck for me. I just got to persuade them to buy now. <laughs> and talk us about the, the daily emails because mm. obviously that for a lot of people is going, oh, my God, that's overkill. Or yeah. what, what's your theory behind that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, so I'll give you a personal anecdote. So there was a copywriter I followed um, when I first started. 
and you know he he was providing a lot of genuinely really good content but he he stopped emailing and then about I just didn't see him. But four or five months later, he resent me an email and I, I just saw it and I completely forgot I even subscribed to him. And I actually unsubscribed purely because I just didn't know who he was. I, no, I, and I knew who he was, but I just didn't, I just, I haven't seen him in a while. I haven't seen him in ages. And, you know, the the daily email bit, by nature, num- sales is a numbers game. Email is a numbers game. And, you know, the more emails you send, by nature, you will make more money. Now, that being said, you can't just spam people with 30% off, you know, fire sale closing. You know, I, I know there are very, there's some brands that are guilty of that. And yeah, there are hundred percent. They will, there'll be a lot of unsubscribes and people will be annoyed. But, you know, if you send out those types of emails that I prescribe, which are very engaging. And if you'd like to know, you can always check out my, my mailing list. <laughs> Sorry to plug myself there. But if you send out the my way, they won't have an issue. And, and if you put in, in your opt-in, um, I will email daily. And then if you also put it in your welcome sequence, you know, this is a daily email. You've been warned twice you really rarely get spam complaints because they know what they're signing up for. That's very cool. Talk to us about the, the common sequences you get asked to write. Yeah. So funnily enough, most most kind of clients don't even really re- aware, aware, are aware of the clients, uh, of the sequences out there. You know, they've heard of a welcome or a card abandonment, but that's about it. And a lot of them don't have those in place. Um, and that kind of blows their mind when I tell them, like, well, have you got a buyback sequence? Have you got you know, a browse abandonment even, or have you got um, a, buy, a before it ships sequence? So I, that's the main ones. Also customer generating se- uh, sequences, uh, VIP sequences. So, you know, if, if there's a specific customer who's bought five or six times within the past six months or year, we'll give them a special uh, discount and, and a special heartfelt message because they are, I mean, they've, they've purchased five or six items. They're, they are a VIP. Um, this was a cool one. Actually, one of my mentors told me the other day, you know, if you collect birthdays, you can do like a special birthday voucher, like, hey, John, you know, happy birthday. He's a 20% discount. Some people can call that kind of creepy. I, I totally get that. So that's up to the, the brand's discretion. So let's talk us through like a welcome sequence for one of these brands that do, you know, supplements. Mm. How many in the welcome sequence? Yeah. So me personally, I do five. Uh, I've heard of 10 part. I've even heard of 20 part. I think that's a bit overkill. Um, but the five part sequences, normally I'd start off with, Firstly, the, the, the origin story in the first one. And the first email will be, hey, guys, I'm emailing daily, number one. But uh, in that same email, I'll also be doing an origin story and go, let's say, can't think of the top of my head, but let's say, you know, what, what's, what, the, let's say we're talking about the meal replacement shake, like the guy, you know, he start, what, why did he start it? You know, oh, my origins back when I was in England, you know, people weren't getting the nutrition, people weren't, people were falling sick and getting the flu all the time. That's why I created X. Um, so that's an example then. Number 1.5. Now, this is a tricky, tricky, tricky sneak. Uh, trick, tricky. How do I say it? Tricky, tricky sneaky trick. Sneaky, yeah, sneaky trick. There you go. <laughs> I had the worst case of, um, I don't even know what that word, dyslexia. There you go. I've never actually had that before. I'm sorry about it, Dan. Um, you're, you're, you're on the spot and you're thinking quickly, which is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a cool sneaky trick. Um, you send it. So you, let's say you send the welcome sequence or the origin story, you know, 8 a.m. And then at 2 p.m., you send them, Hey, did you get my email? And this is just a very short email. Like you go, hey guys, or not hey guys, but hey reader or hey Martin or whatever. Um, did you get my email? Could you please respond back? I'd like to let you know. This might influence the kind of emails I send you. Why this is important is because Gmail and Yahoo, they they value response in frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> they they really love it. And you know, it's a great way to stay out of the promotions tab and in the inbox straight away from the get-go and out of spam as well. Uh, that was a tip. My mentor picked, and that's that's yeah. My mentor is um, awesome. I, so just I on that, when you say please respond because it may affect what I send you, is that what you actually say? 
No, so that's that I, I saw him do that. I've never done that personally. And I asked him, why did you do that? And he's kind of justification. And he actually does this. So, you know, one of this is his personal daily email list. He'll tailor if you go like, you know, let me know if you're a, a freelancer. Let me know if you're a business owner. Let me know if you're a uh, a marketing officer, whatever. So it, it, it kind of just tailors the content for them specifically. Although I don't think he does that. I just think he does it for response, which... Is that unethical? I don't know. I'm not well, sure. I guess nobody will ever know, will they? No, no. Because no, they're no, only no, picking exactly. one, right? You're, you're reading my mind, Bernadette. So just to clarify for people listening, what you're saying here is when you encourage people to click on something, it increases the activity, the engagement. So therefore, mm. Google or Gmail or whoever it is, is going, this must be a good email, therefore a good list, therefore we'll deliver it, you know, avoid the spam traps. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 100%, absolutely. And there's more sales as a result. So yeah, win-win. Cool. So what's email number two? Email number two will be like a small moment kind of story. And this is this is kind of a, you could call it a USP story or a unique selling point for people who don't know. Um, and I always like to go back. There's a there's a famous, you know, I don't know if he's famous, but he's pretty well-known copywriter, Chris Zakowski. I always refer to this, this story. He always talks about it. But, you know, there, there was a story like maybe you were a, like a leather company and you sell like leather boots. And maybe your USP or your small moment story is that on your honeymoon to Italy, you found this type of leather they're specifically crafted in a specific way. Um, and that's kind of what makes you different because like our leather comes from the hills of Italy or the, the hills of Italy, I don't know, whatever, the, you know, the vineyards of Italy or something like that. Like it just makes you different and, and brand yourself a little differently. Um, email three is normally a, a customer generated like testimonial email success story. That's super powerful. Like nothing beats social proof. Um, nothing really does. So, you know, if, if the, if the uh, client has multiple pieces of social proof, always chuck that in. And same as number four as well. I'll generally also chuck that in as well. Um, just maybe Number, two number days. four is another customer story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they are really are the most powerful pieces of proof, uh, most powerful piece of, you know, most powerful element we can include in our copy. Our claims are fairly baseless. You go, oh, I'm the best product. It's like, well, but Martin over here said it is, you know. Um, and then the fifth email, generally speaking, I, I like to do it like, this kind of depends on the client. I'll normally do a Q&A email. Um, so maybe, for example, like my client, the meal replacement shake, he's very expensive um, considering compared to other uh, other like protein shakes and stuff out there. And then that's actually kind of where I did that story about, you know, you know, our supplements more expensive, but we make them in a really, in a rigorous standard. And, and like, it's kind of just, a, it's answering an objection or a question that the customer may, may or may not have. Um, so that's generally my five-part sequence. It, it, is, it is subject to change here and there. Um, and, and according to what the client wants, because you know they're the boss, um, or they're the um, they're the the client. So yeah, that's awesome. And what happens at the end? What's your so from, strategy? Yeah, and so from there they just start receiving daily emails, um, and the emails will range all over the shop. Like I said, I speak about Bigfoot. I speak about some woman complaining on the radio. Um, I, I, a good source of a good source of stories is. Reddit is a great source. There's so many. I mean, people talk off the cuff there all the time. And that I, I'll kind of, my, my thoughts are really scattered, but that's actually a really great way to find out your target market and your dream buyer for the clients. You know, you know, like there's always the demographics. You've got to know that. But the psychographics, in my opinion, are more important. Like really, you need to know their pains, their fears, their hopes, their dreams. Like what do they actually want in life? And if you go on Reddit for uh, YouTube groups, they, ha- they they literally just tell you. They just tell you. Like they literally say like, I want, financial freedom or I want passive income or I want to lose weight because, you know, I want to look more attractive in the mirror. You know, that they just say it. And then a lot of people like to make 
a lot of people like to think up clever ways to write copy. I just let the, the market tell me, like, you know. Brilliant. So just talking way. about Reddit, what mm. kind of things do you sort of search for? What kind of phrases would you use in Reddit to find what you need? So I'm, I'm a little privileged in that. I actually just have Reddit notifications come to me by email and then I'll see some kind of interesting headline um, that just come up. Like that 52, well, the 52A one was a, um, that was a radio radio story. Um, there was one on, so I wanted to do for my own personal list, I did a story on, um, so I'm into knives, like I am I like knife sharpening and I, I just type in Reddit. I'm knife glad you sharpening. clarified that it was sharpening. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, want to say that question. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say uh, that, that could be a little concerning for some people. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very concerning just full stop, yeah. not Frank, but anyway, keep yeah, going. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. No, no, no. That's I. I I'm glad you are. Um, uh, let me, let me, let me bring it up if if I've got time. Uh, is this is this? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll try and find it. Um, that's another <laughs> that's another tip for anyone. While I'm while I'm trying to find this for a tip for people is that if you want to get better at writing copy, just write, write every day. I, I write an email to myself. I don't. I, I send it to my list of what three people. It doesn't matter. Like you've really you've really just got to write every day because that's the only way you'll get better. Um, oh yeah, here we go. So this was the story. So I was on Reddit and, and this was a comment left by a user and he, he said like, so me, don't touch the knives. I just had them sharpened. They'll cut you. And then his dad responds, no, look, they're blunt. I know how to sharpen knives. And then the guy responds, no, leave them in the box. Don't touch them. They're expensive. And then the dad goes, whatever. Okay. And then so I, the dude, he goes, leaves the room. He comes back. And then he's, to his horror, the dad see, he sees his dad with his knives out running them across a bench grinder, which is like just shocking in that world and the dad then goes look so much sharper and the knife has obvious divots and dents on the edge of the blade anyways um what the whole point of that was was that so in, in this kind of reddit community and in the knife sharpening community there's very very varied opinions on um on, on what's the right methods like for example the dad used a bench grinder which some people would think is just shocking it, it's bloody murder honestly that some people would think uh, some people think you can only use Japanese sharpening stones and, and the, the nicest, you know, $400 sharpening stones. Um, and my whole point was, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm writing it 100%. Um, yeah, so it goes to show you that in the same exact industry, there's there's wildly different opinions, attitudes and experiences. And I was saying with your industry as well. So, for example, you know, if you're a golfer, if you're selling to the golf market, potentially, there's two kinds of people. There might be the golfer who loves all the fancy new tech and the gizmos and the laser rangefinder. But there might be the more purest old school golfer who hates that kind of stuff. So when you're speaking to your to your market and you're speaking to your list, you need to know who you're talking to. You can't just assume golfers are all the same. No, there's actually they're, they're a niche, but there's also like a sub niche in that. Awesome, very intriguing. Christian, what about your list right now? I know you're just starting out. You've been working, but you want to build your own list. What are some strategies that copywriters can use to build their own list? Mm, podcasts like this. That's one one <laughs> one way you can get exposure. Um, another way is I've never tried this, but I've always thought about it, um, is, is exchanging writing, like writing for people with big lists. So, for example, let's say, because we're in the copywriting space, let's say there's someone, well, this doesn't really work in our space because everyone who's a copywriter can write. Um, but let's say, you know, you, you want to get into the manufacturing space and let's say there's a, let's say you're a, you want to be a copywriter for the manufacturing space for whatever reason. Um, and the manuf- you know, there's a big manufacturer and he's got 20,000 people on his list. So you could go up to him hypothetically. I've never done this, so don't take my word for it. But you could kind of ask me like, hey, could you plug my list? And then, but in, in exchange, I'll write 20 blog posts for you or I'll write 10 blog posts or I'll write five emails. Um, so it's kind of like just value-based, like exchanging trading. That's another idea. 
So just um, when you say plug your list, you mean like promote what mm. I've got to offer? Is that what you mean? Yeah, essentially, like, like promote. Like in, let's say you write five emails, and at the end of the list, at the end of that email, you go, "Hey, you know, Christian wrote this email list. If you want more ins- insightful insights, that's a good word. Insightful insights." exciting insights into the manufacturing writing world or whatever, you know, you kind of do that. I, I've never done this, so I, I can't I can't speak confidently about that. Um, another way to build the list, it's small, but ask your friends, really. I know that's that's what everyone says, but it's true. Like, it's a cliche for a reason. Um, you know, the first 10 or so subscribers will always be your friends and your closest uh, relatives and that. Um, this, it, this, I've, this one's probably not applicable to us, but Facebook and Google Ads is a great way. Uh, but you know, if you're not if you're not selling a product, then that can get really expensive really quickly. So, I think as well. Actually, I didn't. I failed to mention. I'm not. A, I'm not really a blogger, or I don't really do SEO. But you know, if if any, I'm sure you've got plenty of SEO kind of bloggers out there. That's an, an excellent way to showcase your skills and build your list as well, just through SEO and blogging and guest posting as well. That's awesome. Before we wrap up, I just want to ask, um, in terms of what advice you would have for copywriters starting out? Because you're new, but you're really confident and you're really mm. kicking goals. And, and just the way you're able to speak so eloquently is mm. quite impressive, uh, Christian. So what tips would you have for people starting out? Um, yeah, so this is this is something that I'm like uh, easier said than done. Get a mentor. Very they, so, so I've been working with this the podcast factory for, I don't know, five months or so now. And I my copy is just elevated to an insanely level. And, and not in just terms of copy, the business side as well. You know, I've been told the right thing, the wrong thing to do. Um, so I guess another thing I did earlier on is I actually pitched to like sales funnel agencies. Like I actually, I used to work part-time or on a freelance basis or contract basis for a few, um, what's the word, like agencies. And, and that's a great way because, you know, all of a sudden, firstly, you're writing every day, which is obviously really critical. You're building up your network. And more importantly, if you're getting results and you're getting good testimonials, well, then when you go to a client and then you tell them, hey, look, here's my experience. Like, for example, I leverage my podcast factory experience and I leverage my experience in my part-time roles from earlier in the year to clients. And they go, oh, okay, cool. Like, he's not a complete noob. Like, he's not a complete random, you know, who's never done this before. Um, I know I had one, I had one, my first call, like I had no, <laughs> I'll tell the story. I had a call with him and he asked me just verbatim, like, what experience do you have? And I just said, I literally have none. You could imagine how well that I know Bernard, you, you guys can't see, but Bernadette's face is just cringing. And I, I, I'm laughing. I'm, I'm not cringing. No, 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 I'm, I'm laughing. I'm, I love your honesty. No, no, I'm cringing myself. Cause that's obviously the worst thing to say, but you can't lie. Number one. So, you know, you know, the, the, the catch 22, like I need experience, but I need experience in order to get this job. What's the saying? Um, you need experience to get the job, but you need I a job to get the experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I would always recommend like, I know people don't like it. They think it's unsexy. It's like, oh, you know, I, I wanted to become a freelancer and a business owner. I don't want to work for someone. But, you know, the reality, the reality of it is like working, working, for, working for somebody else is a great way to learn and to mentor. And, and, and think of it just like being paid to learn, really. It, it's awesome. So I, I would highly recommend that. Cool. And I, I, did, I want to just close a couple of loops that you've opened so brilliantly throughout the conversation. The plain text. Tell us mm. why. Okay. Why plain, plain text. text over any other yeah. HTML or whatever? Oh, I was avoiding that question. <laughs> no, no. So, okay. Number one, email deliverability. That's an important one. Um, Gmail and Yahoo, they definitely penalize you uh, if you use photos and, new- and have a newsletter style themed in your emails. And don't take my word for it. Just open your promotions tab. You'll see a millions of it customer of brand emails in there. Um, Whereas if you do plain text, you just simply won't. Don't I, I 
I don't mind photos here and there, but they've got to serve a purpose. They can't just be a photo of like a mum and a dad smiling. Like that's just silly. Like make it, make it, like make it. Every copy needs to have its, every word has to have its place. Same as the photo. Um, but from a psychological perspective as well, plain text is better because it's more personal. You know, does your do do you speak to your mum or your dad or your brother? You know, do you write? Do you spend eight hours designing a beautiful you know, email to them? Like no, you just kind of use all lowercase letters and you just say, hey, what's up? You know, it's a lot more personal and approachable. And on a conscious level, people obviously know, yeah, it's an advertisement or it's an email from a company. But a subconscious level, it, it is a little bit of a different story. And I'll, I'll give another, I love giving anecdotes. I don't know why. But um, I was on the train maybe three or two months ago and I saw a guy and he was on his phone and he's kind of just scrolling. And before you call me creepy, but looking at someone scrolling their phone, I can do that. I'm 22. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. It is no, very no. disturbing what people look at on the train. Oh my God. I know. But that's another I'm, story. Yeah. <laughs> Won't get into that one. But yeah. this guy, he's on Facebook and he's just scrolling. And, you know, I could see that, you know, there's a post from his mom or his brother. He stops, he looks. And then literally maybe it's like one sixteenth, one eighth, or even one thirty second of like Coles. There's a Coles ad. And you could tell it's Coles because that red color, you can just tell it's Coles. And he just flicks off instantly. It instantly flicked off because he knew it's an advertisement. And no one likes being advertised to. Whenever a, door, a salesman comes to your door, he knocks on, hi, hi, Christian, would you like? They're like, no, I don't want to talk to you. Like, go away. Um, no one likes to. No one likes being pitched to buy stuff. But we love buying. Like, it's a weird psychological quirk. We get dopamine hits when we buy things, but we hate being sold on things. So I always try and make my ads not look, I always try and make my emails not look like an ad. Um, that comes from the Gary Halbert. I know some people think, oh, Gary Halbert, he's direct response. I don't like that. That's fine. But, you know, Gary Halbert, he really was one of the best of best direct response marketers. And he always, he used to send like physical direct mail back in the eighties. And a lot of the junk mail we see nowadays, he'd go against that. And he'd, he'd write literally just have a, like a, I don't have one, like an envelope and he'd handwrite the name or he wouldn't handwrite it, but he'd have his assistant or typist handwrite that name. And it, and it looked like something, you know, Aunt Millie would send to you and you have to open that. Whereas when it's an ad, you know it's safe. It's like, I'm not going to open that. I know it's just a promotion. Um, one last point about plain text. Uh, they stick out like a sore thumb. They really do. I mean, in your, in your inbox, can you name a single e-commerce brand that uses plain text emails? Like, I know I can because I work with them, but most people can't. And they just instantly stand out. So that is kind of a unique selling point in, a, in, a, in it of itself. It is differentiating you in the inbox, which I think is really important. Christian, you've been an absolute uh, delight to talk to, and I'm so stoked with your uh, success. And I'm really mm. thrilled that you told me offline that this podcast got you into copywriting. If that's yeah, correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll, actually, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll say like, yeah. Um, for anyone out there listening, I was like one of you. I still am one of you, but um, you know, I, I was listening to Bernadette when I started, and really, kind of, I think the the thing about your and I, I, I'm going to do a shameless plug for your course. I've never taken it, but I've heard about it a lot. And I think I like about it a lot is that you focus on the business side of things. And that really is so important. And a lot of people think it's just, I'm just going to write and that's it. Like I write probably 20% of the time, 30% of the time. The other is just getting clients or just dealing with, you know, just, just doing business things. And that, that's the reality of it. And I really like how you don't neglect that side of things. Whereas most, most course creators make, it's more of a get rich quick scheme, in my opinion, which yours is not. So I highly appreciate it for that. Awesome. Well, it's been a delight. And thank you for your insights and your wisdom. And I should just tell people that Christian just pitched me. He said, I want to be on your podcast. I said, come on in. And he was kind mm. of like, really? Yeah. So, <laughs> what, you know, if you ask, you shall get. So, Christian, exactly. thank you for everything. It's been great to meet you. Appreciate it, Bernadette. In closing, I think it's fitting for me to share with you the pitch 
that Christian uses on his LinkedIn profile, just so you can get some inspiration for how you might want to present yourself as an email copywriter. This is what he says. I'll make you twenty to $30,000 in 60 days by sending out but ugly plain Jane emails. Oh, and if I fail, don't pay me. DM me for more information. How's that for great copy? Well done, Christian. You're an inspiration. Now, if you're listening and you'd like to learn how to write copy like Christian and be as confident as Christian, you should check out our copywriting community called Copy Club. It's Australia's newest and most exciting copywriting community. You'll learn how to become a successful copywriter. You'll get upskilled through our learning hub in which you'll find hundreds of training videos. You'll find work opportunities, a vibrant community, a series of Ask Me Anything video live Zoom calls where you can turn up and just get all the feedback you've ever wanted and much, much more. To find out more, visit copyclub.com.au. Let me finish with a quote I've always found very inspiring and quite apt for this episode. It's from the wonderful Jim Rohn. Formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. And of course, I can't leave you without my joke of the day. When I was a kid, my dad got fired from his job as a road worker for theft. I refused to believe he could do such a thing. But when I got home, the signs were all there. And on that note, I will leave you. All the best and take care. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more. This podcast was brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre.